We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Bonjour, CMOS girlies. Kate's in Paris right now. Um, I'm six hours ahead of Emma, who's in New York. It's a Sunday when we usually do our pod semantics, except I'm going to go get dinner after this. So yes, if you don't follow me on my personal Instagram, um, news to you, I did end up booking that trip to Paris. A lot of the CMOS girlies have sent me recommendations, which have been very kind. I went to this grocery store today, which felt like the Erewhon of Paris. I hate using Erewhon as like the word because this grocery store is just like fantastic on its own. But it had all these hot bar things and whatever. I ended up not getting anything. I was just um, looking for stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm in Paris. How are the grounds in New York over there, dog? Um, It's once again rainy, cold, and dreary. I swear to God, we can't just get one nice weekend of pleasant weather, but it's okay. It's the end of January, and then it's like you only got 29 days of February, and then it's like kind and of basically almost summer. So you just don't break it up. I saw a funny tweet that it was like, how many months does January have? Just because yeah. it feels like January is the never-ending month, but yeah. I'm good. I'm definitely curious. What's like the best food that you've had in France was it some sort of pastry situation some sort of savory meal I honestly haven't had any bad food and kind of how I did Paris because I, I got a lot of questions about it um I purposely didn't post on the internet because as someone as an influencer I was imagining I would get a lot of dms which is beautiful and I love them but I knew I'd get overwhelmed and like feel like I have a million things on my list so a few of my friends have been to Paris multiple times they sent me like google maps which were so helpful because I could just look at like the locations and kind of make a day out of the spots because I came here and I had no itinerary of like what I was going to do besides like I knew I had to run 14 miles on Saturday so honestly every food has been good I've gone to the places my friends have recommended um I got some pastries from a place today called I fucking don't remember um it was some gluten-free place I can look it up on my phone one place that I went to is called the French Bastard and I got some amazing pastries my steak frites last night were very good and a caesar salad 
Um, I'm going to make a list of all of my like recommendations, not saying I'm like worldly and know everything about Paris, but people were curious of like the spots I went to, but I have to say my overall highlight of the trip has been the vintage shopping. I feel like I haven't had such a successful vintage shopping spree since maybe I was in high school in Minnesota because there's like a really good like vintage curated store there. And I just remember the first time I found it, I like fell in love with the place, but I went crazy and I found so many things that fit me well. I feel like a lot of times with thrifting and vintage shopping, you can find stuff that's cute, but like doesn't really fit you is a little bit too tight and everything just fit me like amazing. And I've never had that experience. And also just like, I think I've mentioned this whole year with marathon training, my body has changed a lot and I have body dysmorphia episodes here and there. And so I've really just forced myself to get rid of shit that is too small for me back in New York. Like that has been my deep cleaning process for the past six months and so to find new pieces that I know will fit this body that I have like hypothetically for the next good five years I just feel so happy about that that I don't have to like worry about growing out of my pants or like not fitting in that one day so yeah the vintage is great the shopping is great the weather's honestly okay it's like a little bit gloomy but um I can't complain I'm in Paris. So it's been great. I definitely envy the thrifting and vintage shopping that you've been doing. I miss getting that high. And for someone who obviously works in fashion and like, I definitely think I developed so much of my personal style through thrifting when I was younger. And I just feel so much more creative and more kind of in tune with my personal style when I am like thrifting and finding all those those fun pieces but yeah I just like haven't had success like that and I think just like living in New York I'm just I don't care to go out and venture and visit all the new spots but I'm really excited that you found some fun pieces just because I think that does spark so much a joy but also like creativity just being able to you know formulate outfits around like a really like stellar standout piece and just having things that also have a story or a meaning versus just like I bought another white t-shirt from Everlane. Like it's like fun to have yeah. this like, you know, jacket that you can at least tie back to a moment in your life. Um, it's been pretty fine over here. I'm going to give girlies a little food review of the chomps oh, yes. that I received. Shout out chomps for being the goat and sending me some chomps. Um, they sent me over though, the taco beef stick flavor. And I was really stoked about this because I love anything flavored and like the turkey pepperoni is so good because it literally tastes like pepperoni. Um, but the taco beef stick tastes just like a Siete taco mix. Siato, siete taco mix. <laughs> I don't know why that is such like a mouthful. Yeah. But if, if anyone has bought any of those taco seasoning packets, they are so good and so flavorful. And like, that's truly what this beef stick tastes like. I'm assuming that they're only like online exclusive because I've never seen them carried at like a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or like any nearby shop. Um, but if you are a girly that loves Choms, definitely go on their site. This is like not sponsored by any way, but like definitely go and buy the taco beef sticks. They're definitely worth the money, definitely worth like the hassle of buying stuff online I like never think about buying food online just because I'm like I will just get whatever's available at the Whole Foods or Trader Joe's um yeah yeah, wow 10 out of 10 my boyfriend and I have been like eating one a day and like the rule is that like we have to eat them together and so that's been our little daily daily treat a little chomps uh chomps break chomps chomps treat love that for you my last point just like about my trip in Paris I've been reflecting on this a lot for people who don't know I've been here once it was when I was like 16 and I went with my family and at that time uh it was kind of ripe when my eating disorder was brewing and I remember being really anxious about food the entire trip like avoiding meals like always like needing substitutions like freaking out about every little detail of it and being here, you know, my dad has passed, my family dynamics are very different. I've been working through grief. 
it's just a thing that you you hear this in movies and people in quotes and podcasts and shit all the time. And I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal to be inspirational, but like my dad fucking died. And I wish when I was here, I would have just ate the fucking pastry when I was here with him. You know, there's so much that I missed out on during that time and I can't go back and I don't regret like what happened in my past. And luckily I had a great relationship with him, but letting the food thing just ruin your fucking life like I, if any sea moss really is struggling out there, I know we all kind of go on little waves about food. Like, just pack it up, pack it up and go. You're only gonna have certain parts of your life for so long. And I think also, if you're thinking of doing something, let's say take a new job, move across the country, go on a trip, do something crazy, you know, in the realm of your world. Obviously, financially, um, financially responsible things. I'm not telling people to like drain your bank account here, but book that trip do that thing you never know what's going to happen in life my mom and dad were talking about all of these like beautiful vacations and like trips they had planned for their later years and my mom is sort of having to grieve that future that she doesn't have anymore and I think when you're young and you're healthy and let's say you you and your friend find really cheap tickets to go to Europe like you should go do that because I know that I put off this trip for a very long time and I'm so happy that I just realized like the rest of my life can wait for seven days. Like I'm so fine and I've appreciated this trip so much and just feel like it's something that everyone should get to experience. Just ripping off the bandaid and just doing something that you said you wanted to do for the past six months, let's say. Yeah, I think like being spontaneous and in the moment, that's really when you have the best memories. Um, And so I definitely encourage everyone to kind of break out of your routine. Even like my boyfriend yesterday, he's been talking about wanting to get a tattoo. And I was like, just let's just like go and get your tattoo. And like we did that. And it was like fun. He felt like so like excited afterwards. And I think, you know, it's just so, so easy just to kind of stick with the routine and tell yourself like, oh, like I'll do this like next weekend or I'll do this like next month or next year. Um, but there's like no reason to wait around. Like if you want something, go out and do it. Um, and so I hope that is some good motivation for the girls that maybe have been putting stuff off. Um, solo travel is something that I'm hoping to maybe plan on doing this, this year. And so I'm kind of eager just to kind of, yeah, like pull the trigger, like Kate said, and just like go out and do things. And instead of waking up one day and regretting anything. Yeah, I love that. See, Moscarellis, let's be bold in 2024. Now, the topic for discussion for today for the pod is going to be a little bit more long form than our previous episodes. It's going to be about meditation. Emma and I have had this kind of in our pod topic section for a very long time. I think I've had my sort of, not qualms, but maybe hesitations to open this subject since it is entirely rooted in Eastern medicine. And like, what do I know as like a white woman, you know, like I want to make sure we're doing this episode with like diligence and research and knowledge and like crediting where credit is due um but it's definitely a huge concept in wellness it's made its way over to western countries it's become co-opted appropriated we're going to talk about that in this episode um but i hope you guys enjoy it and i'm going to call emma back and then we'll get into this week's pod we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, CMOS Brillies. We are so excited to announce today's podcast sponsor, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Are you tired of cooking the same slop? Well, spice it up with the premier variety offered by Green Chef. You can embark on a delicious culinary adventure this year with Green Chef's diverse menu with 80 plus options. Green Chef even has tons of lifestyle preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, you name it. Supporting your gut health can be challenging, but Green Chef makes it really easy and fun because their meals are nutrient-dense, science-backed, gut and brain health recipes, which are all developed in partnership with registered dietitians that can help improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. If you girlies are looking to stock up your pantry on different functional snacks and clean beverages, you know, the ones that support your gut and brain health this January, lucky for you, Green Chef has different green bundles, which are a curated selection of unique hand-picked goods that support your overall wellness goals. Emma and I love using Green Chef to learn how to cook new dishes, to spice up our pantry with new goodies and snacks, and have much less worry about grocery shopping. So if you're interested in trying out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash 60CMOS and use code 60CMOS to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Now back to the show. All right, girlies, this is the episode about meditation. So before I get into the first topic here, I want to recommend the book that Emma and I have both mentioned in different weeks of podcast, and it's called Who is Wellness For? It looks at what wellness is in Western countries. It calls it, you know, the Western or the wellness industrial complex. And I think you guys would really appreciate the conversation because it breaks down different traditions and how appropriation has started, who is profiting off of different wellness trends. And I think it's just a good uh, book for everyone to read this year. Now, where does meditation come from? Where's like the history of meditation? So meditation is an ancient practice, which I think most of us uh, intuitively think about meditation. 
It's believed to have originated in India several thousands of years ago, and it's the earliest forms come from early Hindu and comes from the schools in India. And the Latin term for meditation means to ponder. I usually picture someone like deep in thought when I think of meditation. Um, and although there's many forms of meditation that can be found in religious traditions, the practice um, is this formal component of a very spiritual path, and it's most closely associated with Buddhism. So a lot of the meditation practices you hear of and learn about are likely coming from Buddhism, but that's not to say that other religious cultures don't have their own forms of meditation. Um, and that brings me to my next point, where meditation is very whitewashed in the West. Um, it's lacking a lot of the context and history, which is kind of the definition of what like appropriation is. And this kind of comes back to the era um, when Eastern philosophies kind of caught the attention of Western thinkers. Now, this kind of like reminds me of when I took uh, AP Euro in high school, when you learn about the Enlightenment and the Renaissance, and people started to be concerned with how are we thinking about our thoughts? We're all going to start writing like poetry. Um, you know, early Western seekers and artists started to um, take up meditation, but it wasn't until like this mid 20th century time. And likely it was because of colonization. We see these things brought to the US and Europe. And so appropriation is when things are decontextualized. And so an example of this, which Emma will talk about later of like how meditation or like spirituality can just like lose its entire context is when like corporate America gives workers like free healthcare stipends to maybe get like a meditation app on their phone. And the logic behind this is so like their workers can be more productive beings at work. And people are so stressed out due to like the constraints of capitalism now and just how like chaotic it is that on their free time, on their employer's own dime, they have to go and meditate in their free time because the workplace has made them so stressed. And that's not what meditation was for. Like meditation was not this thing for uh, employers to give to their employees to become less stressed out by the situations that they created. So that's like a very obvious example of how meditation becomes just like co-opted by the West. But the main problem of this is that over time, you know, as these things become practiced and like embedded in these apps and like weird technologies in the West, these things lose the history and the cultural knowledge. And one example that's like not related to like meditation specifically, but it's happening right now is that uh, what's happening in Palestine right now, like books and arts and artifacts and just history and knowledge are being destroyed. Uh, and you can call me up for saying my own political opinions on the pod. I don't view this as a political opinion by any sense. Um, but the Israeli military has strategically bombed places that have had historical documents of Palestinians. And so it's this violent destruction of culture so that it's erased, so that we forget about it. And that's why a lot of Palestinians are saying, like, please share our stories, like, please remember us, because it is so violent when, like, Eastern things are just destroyed by the West. And then once again, they're destroyed for, like, some Western thing to take take the, um, maybe the history and put it and bend it in some weird way, like, taking meditation and putting it on this app and, like, not allowing the people that were originally creating this practice to benefit off of the profit um, or just entirely abstracting things from their meaning. And there's this history of Westerners just cherry picking different like traditions that they like or practices that they like and serving their needs. And sometimes it can even get tied to a political agenda. I was reading a little bit earlier about like, how can there be all of these like QAnon right wing like yoga spiritual people. Um, there's a podcast that I've mentioned a few times. It's called Conspirituality, and it looks at how the right wing kind of co-ops meditation and spiritual stuff. Very interesting. I guess that could be a whole pod episode in itself. Um, 
But I think most of us are very aware in the West, or I guess CMOS really, I would hope, that a lot of things that you probably integrate into your own well-being practices are from an Eastern tradition. And that kind of begs the question of like, how has the West started to accept Eastern tradition? And I think it goes down to the fact that the West and Western medicine specifically have this huge emphasis on science and empirical evidence. So whenever you look at medical textbooks or healthline.com or all the crazy websites that give you weird diagnoses, they are all based in like scientific evidence and fact and logic, right? Um, And so Western culture has its root in the Enlightenment, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the 18th century movement. Um, And it created this idea that people should be very secular and rational. And that's kind of when, you know, then the Industrial Revolution started, the Scientific Revolution started, and this sort of ushered in this new way of life that we saw practiced in Europe and then on to the Americas that you must accumulate material resources, you must better yourself, you must read books to prove that you are of a certain like social class in society. And this became like the dominant force of, or like the way of life, I suppose, in Western countries. Um, As an example of this, like how could an Eastern practice become validated by Western, by the Western eye? Because if you have, let's say a very spiritual Eastern practice, a lot of times Western doctors will be like, well, where's, where's the clinical study on that? You know, where's the the evidence? Where's the peer reviewed journal on that? And when things have been practiced for hundreds and hundreds of years, that should be enough evidence in itself. But like the Western establishment doesn't like oftentimes discredits and doesn't take in that as like scientific enough. Um, And so if you take something like breath work in the, in the Western context, you know, you hear about breath work and it's framed as something that could calm your central nervous system, you know, use deep breaths. If you're having an anxiety attack, or like, if you're having a heart arrhythmia, like use some deep breaths, like to deal with that, right? That's a physical stressor on the body. And it, or it can be used to, you know, boost your focus and your brain cognition and your attention. Um, you know, difficult. Um, I, th- I think it's difficult when you see these things, because like, these are good things for your body. Like, yes, you should calm down your central nervous system. Yes, you should slow down your heart rate. But breathwork as a tradition, like goes back to Eastern medicine. So, um, and then it can be used, you know, in like corporate productivity jargon, which once again, we'll talk about more in this episode. But I think the reason why you see a lot of these Eastern practices used in the West is because Western worlds really value productivity. They value self-improvement. They want workers to be like productive and get as much done, you know, for the corporation. And it's kind of fucked up when you think about it, that they're using like Eastern traditions to achieve these means, you know, like they're telling people like, take care of your health and better yourself and slow down and meditate because they want people to be more productive workers. It's not actually because they want people to be more in community with their neighbors and take better care of their health just for their own well-being. It's so they can be better capitalists in the system, you know, and I think when it comes to scientific evidence too, like the Western world would never say that this is valuable because it enriches your spirit or it makes you happy or it increases, you know, your connection to others. It's like, take care of yourself so you can go and clock in at work tomorrow. Um, so that's kind of background. I feel like a lot of people, you know, CMOS really, as I mentioned, have this same kind of relationship with meditation. I hope you've like thought about some of these things, I suppose. Yeah. And when I was kind of writing and doing research and preparation for this podcast, a few other like books also i haven't read it but i came across it it's called the mindfulness how mindfulness became the new capitalist spirituality which i recommend people checking out and there was a few articles that i kind of read so one of them was from fox mindfulness meditation america has a capitalism problem 
Um, and then if people listen to the gray area, recently there was a podcast about living mindfully. So just other resources for you to listen to kind of learn a little bit more about like the critiques of meditation in like America and also just kind of like the origin. Um, but it comes as like no surprise that meditation has really boomed and has become something that is now mainstream versus like a niche in today's society. Spiritual meditation has actually tripled between like the years of 2012 and 2017. And like this practice has only accelerated since the pandemic. And also just this growing shift in wellness slash like self-care as being like a holistic way of living versus just like eating healthy and working out. And sure, there's like no harm. And I think, yes, there's benefits that like meditation has. You come over to the West. But really the issue was that there's so much like push from a capitalism standpoint. And, you know, when people are making money off of like mindfulness and meditation, it really just corrupts the spirit of like the tradition and practice that Kate mentioned. And so the U.S. market alone for this like meditation mindfulness, you know, market is valued around like $1 billion. And there's so many, you know, startups that are popping up, you know, there's Headspace and Calm and probably so many others, but those are the most universally well-known. Calm alone became like the first in the meditation application space to become a unicorn back in 2019. So being valued at like a billion dollars, which is like kind of insane. And, you know, just understanding capitalism and like the wellness industry definitely was just a matter of time until these like meditation apps came into play. And really the biggest critique when we do think about like modern mindfulness in America, just like the Western culture is that it really has just fully abandoned the roots and the purpose that meditation serves, particularly in these Buddhist communities. And like, you know, modern mindfulness and today's apps really reinforce the self-centered self and help us kind of adjust the status quo versus promoting community, compassion for all and transforming communities for the better. And, you know, in a lot of like Buddhist communities, they were so deeply rooted in these concepts of like, you know, kind of putting others before yourself and like really kind of meditating for the better good. But instead for us, we're all kind of so much more focused on like the individual and, you know, allowing us to just almost survive in this like game that corporate America has created. And, you know, a lot of these apps and the massive companies, they're just not really fully addressing the root issue of like why we're all so anxious and so unhappy and so stressed, because all of these are just symptoms of like a our environment and of like structural issues that like all of us are kind of partaking in, but almost like we have no choice just because these corporations have so much more control over us and we have like such little say um, and, you know, when, you know, these headspace and calms when they all came at came about, um, you know, their whole push was really just for personal use and benefiting yourself so you can optimize your productivity. And, you know, when you think about like wellness and self-care and like all these different rituals or tools or products that we use, they all do serve like a good purpose for like the moment, but really like they're, they should be a short-term tool and they're not like a long-term solution. Like we're not all going to bubble bath our way into feeling better or to like making changes so that our community and environment is like actually for the better. And that like everyone has like equal access to like, you know, necessary things, whether it's like healthcare, parental leave, you know, pay time off, like, you know, living wages, like we're not going to be able to all get and achieve that just through like utilizing an app that tells us to like breathe in and out, you know, for five minutes straight. Um, and when kind of thinking about companies as well and like their adoption of like mindfulness programs, again, like it's not addressing the root issue because they're continuing to promote these like toxic work environments, you know, 
they're still being like stagnant wages and like lack of health insurance. And so ultimately, like when you have to take on the work of like meditating and like developing some sort of like personal healthcare routine, it's more just because like, it's your fault that you were unable to survive the game. And I think, yes, like there are some pros with having these apps like in the world, like it has made, you know, mindfulness and like maybe wellness and self-care more accessible and like there's now more information on the internet and people can now like go and experiment but when you aren't also you know tying it all back to like where these like originated from and not really focusing on like the community aspect of like health and wellness that's really where it becomes damaging because we're just like further promoting this like individual the self and like not thinking of others and that's not really going to help us achieve a better place for everyone Yeah, I totally agree. It's hard with the internet and, you know, every subject, you could say fashion, you could say running, you could say meditation. It does democratize access to information. It allows for people that maybe have not had a voice to have a voice. I'm thinking of like TikTok as an example. There's a lot of people that are getting invited to like Michelin restaurants to do food reviews that maybe didn't have a foot in the door to go work at like fancy food publications or fashion critics that now get a sit front row, etc. And I could see there being a world where like people that haven't let's say gotten a like I don't even know how core power works I'm just using an example like no idea their ethics whatever the fuck but like someone that maybe didn't get hired at core power like makes a TikTok can make yoga videos actually is rooted in history and knowledge and like goes viral right like we know the algorithm tends to you know favor white creators which is unfortunate that these apps are just embedded with racism but I do think that there is a sliver of hope that like information can get democratized um and so now kind of like what are the most popular meditation practices out there and like how can you be socially aware when practicing eastern tradition i think that is an open question that i still have definitely any cms girl is like if you have any practices or if like you're super big into yoga like how do you think about that in relation to your own like cultural background um very curious for your guys's thoughts on that but to get into some of the most popular meditation practices one of them being mindfulness meditation. This originates from Buddhist teachings. It's definitely the most popular in the West. It's like also the most researched form in the West. So I can see, you know, why it's become more popular here. If it has like scientific evidence on it, like doctors are going to start recommending it to clients, I guess. Um, The main like through line of this is you are not supposed to judge your thoughts. You're supposed to let them pass through. And there's different ways you can take that different you know, um, experiences you can have with practicing mindful med- mindfulness meditation. The next was mantra meditation, also very prominent in Eastern and Western countries. Um, it comes from Hindu and Buddhist traditions. And this type of meditation will use a repetitive sound to clear the mind. Oftentimes you'll probably hear the word OM, like OM used. Um, and this is something that we use throughout the practice. The next one that's become very buzzy in like Silicon Valley, like tech bro, San Francisco hellscape is transcendental meditation, TM. I feel like I've started to see the wellness keto bros talk about TM and whatever. Um, And it's the type of meditation that has been the subject of a lot of studies in the scientific community, which then makes sense why like the tech bros are eating it up. And it's a very simple, effortless technique that you practice for 20 minutes twice each day and you sit very comfortably in a position for you and you have your eyes closed and you are you have some sort of private mantra that you are working through for these 20 minutes so once again i think it's kind of ironic to just like imagine a tech bro like going on a lunch break and like doing this to like have a peace like a moment of peace from his like stressful chaotic like capitalist day and then have to go back to work you know like i'm not saying how people practice meditation is good bad ugly but i just think how it is utilized in corporate america is just 
pretty fucked up with West. Um, and then the next one that I've actually like experimented with a little bit is called movement meditation. This is what you think it is. It's using some form of movement while you meditate. It could be walking. It could be yoga. But the one that I got into is called, or that is called, um, with running. I read this book that was called Running Still. And it talks about how to integrate meditation into your running practices. I think a few people knew. I'm back to listening to music when I run. But for a little bit, I was like, I'm going to meditate when I run. I'm going to do this book. And I did it for a good three months, I would say. Um, and it is a really interesting way if you're someone who's like, I, I can't meditate, like maybe running, maybe walking could be a way for you to integrate meditation. And this kind of gets back to like the point I mentioned earlier of like how to be socially aware when you're practicing Eastern tradition. Like, you know, I picked up this book. I start reading about meditation. It talks about the history and the knowledge. I go on to then implement this into my personal wellness regimen, my own like personal routine, right? Um, I, I think for me at least, and this is my opinion, if you guys have different opinions, would love to hear it. I feel like if you're using something for personal use and you know, the history, the cultural context and the knowledge, and you're just using that for your own life, I feel like that's kind of devoid of any sort of malicious intent, right? You are looking to integrate this tradition into your life to reap the benefits and to try it out, to experiment, let's say. I think if knowledge is like freely accessible like that, um, a lot like most meditation things are very accessible on the internet, like let's say yoga too. Um, I think it's very safe to assume that the knowledge is common and shareable, but I think the issue comes from profiting. The issue comes from capitalism. That's like the huge issue in this podcast, right? If you pay someone who let's say is not from the original culture or doesn't have the original knowledge or doesn't use that in their teachings, right? And then they're going to go on to teach you some specific form of meditation or yoga that they claim that they learned from some place, right? Then I think that kind of falls in the category of, oof, that might be cultural appropriation because that is stealing from a culture and that is going on to profit from it, right? And so I think that raises questions of like, I think yoga is a big one. Um, I'm not someone who practices yoga, but I know like example, if I went to go on to practice yoga, I would do research and be like, okay, what are the different types of yoga? Where do they come from? Who are these instructors that I can go see in New York City? Do they care about the history? Do they use the history in the way that they teach class? Is it entirely just devout of meaning? You know, I think framing framing yoga as exercise come, sometimes can come across as a, a form of appropriation. Like that is not the original intent of it. Um, so I think as you are going through your own like practices with well-being, right? If you are seeking to profit off of a knowledge that is not yours, that's fucked up in my mind. But I think if you're looking to integrate, you know, principles of meditation or you want to practice yoga, right? I think it's it's difficult in the West to find ways to do this that are uh, credible and that are, you know, uh, doing your due diligence. But I think that's on you to do that research and that learning of how to best practice these things. But obviously, I'm speaking as a, a white woman in the U.S., so... My views could be very off on that, but that's kind of like my take on, you know, how to integrate these things. And one of the biggest issues, I think, with the wellness industrial complex is just like how much it enforces like this myth of like the self-centered self and how social media comes into play. Like everything is so performative and like that's really what meditation has become, just like any kind of like life hack type of tool that like has now become co-opted in the West that like people just like to utilize it as a way to like show that they're better than you because like they can sit still for 20 minutes. And I'm happy that Kate touched on, you know, the different types of meditation practices, because ultimately like there's so many different ways to achieve meditation or like kind of achieving this like 
moment of like just like being in the moment and like kind of forgetting about what's going on in the past or in the future and like really the opposite of like mindfulness is like mindlessness and like this unawareness and like the reason that it can be so challenging for a lot of us to achieve like you know meditation or like kind of like being in the moment just like focusing so much on your breath is that like we're so reactive and so letting yourself experiencing the moment and paying attention to the now like that's kind of what meditation is sort of all about or at least like that's kind of what you want and hope to achieve and you know there's so many different ways to go about that and I think when we're just kind of push this idea like you have to just like sit and like follow like these very traditional ways of meditating without really understanding the historical context it just like does such a huge disservice and like a lot of us are just not conditioned to sit still because we live in you know a society that promotes like hustle culture and it's constantly go 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 and you're almost viewed as like a failure if you like need that time to sit and be still and so for me like I've had a very like rocky experience with you know meditation or just being more in the moment but there's so many different ways to achieve that whether like Kate said it's movement like for me swimming and walking when I kind of enter that like zen state where I almost like black out and don't really think of anything like that for me is like meditation or even just like cooking and listening to a podcast so I just want people to remember that like there's so many ways to really go about and achieving this like zen state beyond you know kind of like the more traditional methods that we typically think of um but kind of what I wanted to touch on and sort of like round out the podcast is about like incorporating community or prioritizing community in your regular wellness and self-care routines. I had a conversation about this with someone later this past week, but I think it's just good to touch on just because in Buddhist communities, like meditation, just a lot of their principles is so deeply connected to like universal compassion and like universal suffering. And it's really exciting to kind of starting to see the shift in the wellness, like narrative and like the story of like connecting, reconnecting with, with community, you know, we do live in, in an epidemic of like loneliness and people are really like searching for that community aspect in their day-to-day life. But it's so hard to achieve with like how social media has really fully removed third spaces. And I think a lot of people almost don't even know what wellness as a community even means. And so community wellness really goes beyond like those typical pillars of well-being that we usually think about. And, you know, it really focuses on building interpersonal relationships and just providing one another with the resources and an environment to move forward and grow positively. And that's like so much why like Buddhists do typically meditate to kind of help promote this like universal compassion for others. And, you know, when we all we all benefit when we engage in community care, there's connectedness, purpose, and belonging. Like ever since I joined the pool, like that for me is kind of like my community. Like I now feel like so much of like a sense of belonging and almost like purpose in my community. I think like as a young individual and also living in New York, it's so easy to kind of only think of like yourself and not really pay attention to others. Cause it's like a melting pot and you don't have any like historic like history with like any of your neighbors just because people are constantly coming and going and like even when you're living on like college campuses like it just feels so like fleeting and like so like you know temporary but like you do have the opportunity to really engage um and you know like community wellness really supports equity for all and involves like service for others and like really ensuring that like your communities can move forward because like the more involved you are with your local community you're more inclined to like get involved you know get involved whether that's like your volunteering and like engagement with local politics but I think like ways to think about like getting involved with the community and like what that looks like 
you know, whether it's like through your neighborhood, church, a local rec center, school, et cetera, like there's so many communities around you that you don't even realize it. And it's really just like as simple as like checking in on others, you know, cooking a meal, doing just like acts of service for others and just like seeing if like anyone needs anything. And I think just like the daily actions and like decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis really do go such a long way in terms of like impacting your community. And there is like so much work that needs to be done in, in this space. But I think it's like so great to see that there's now you know, community run clubs that are going on that allow people from like all over New York or like all over your local area to come together, run, do something that feels good. Um, You know, Kate and I hosted like a trash pickup with a bunch of sea monsters in like the West Village with Pop-Up Grocer. And that's a really great example of like coming together as a community and like bettering the space around you. Um, So I definitely encourage you to really meditate on, on that and reflect on like how your wellness and like self-care routines can really tie back to your community. This is something that I have been thinking about a lot. And I think this is like the one area that I want to kind of continue exploring and like pushing further and like really deepening those, you know, practices. Yeah. Did you even realize you said meditate? I want you guys to meditate on that. I did not intend for that, but a good fitting pun. That's funny. Maybe that'll be the title. Let's meditate on this. No, sorry if the titles suck and people liked and they were funny. I don't have it in my brain anymore to make anything interesting. So you're getting three words in a row to let let you into the the titles. Um, But yeah, I hope you guys are inspired to not only maybe like look at where you're doing yoga, look into meditation, look into community wellness. um, But I hope you guys learned something today. I know that I did. Um, but I'm going to go get my last meal here in Paris and then I'll be back to the cold, dreary New York streets with Emma. Um, but that's all I got for this Sunday. What about you, dog? I am getting coffee with an old friend later and then, yeah, just going to kind of hibernate still that time of the year. We're still hibernating. Yeah, we're still hibernating. Not looking cute outside. Um, so just going to do the usual Sunday stuff. Usual Sunday stuff. Love it. Um, thank you, CMOS girlies. Um, you know, you know where the memes are. You know where to find Emma and I if you ever need anything. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.